welcome to episode 65 of Our Baseball Weekly, the weekly podcast from the baseball subreddit. Today, we continue our Division Dandies with Dylan preview series with the Centrals, with yours truly, Nime, representing the NL Central, and our baseball veteran poster, analyst, and moderator, the Degis, representing the AL Central. Before we get to that, though, Shane and Phil are back this week with me to discuss some other things that happen around baseball. How you guys doing today? Doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I took a I took a nap this afternoon. Woke up and saw the message like, "Hey, you're recording today," and I was like, "Oh, yeah, <laughs> we should do that." So, a good way of living your life. Managed to catch a little bit of the uh, the spring training game on the radio this afternoon, so I was pretty excited about that. Uh, looking forward to actually being able to watch baseball on TV. Great. We're so close to actual baseball. We're so close to watching baseball that matters. Uh, the Dodgers are lucky enough to have most of their spring training games broadcasted, but I've officially reached the point where that doesn't matter and nobody cares. So we're in that little lull of spring training right before we actually make it to the real thing. We are almost there. Let's get to it. I believe many of us, myself included, are waiting for, I think it's this Tuesday when T-Mobile is going to start giving out free MLB TV. Uh, and that's like, all right, great. I, like, I, I definitely always see those posts of like hey uh, psa free mb tv today and i'm like oh <laughs> i already i already got it on my t-mobile tuesdays app but thank you sir t-mobile uh, so. T-Mobile, feel free to sponsor us you you can be the official uh mobile provider of the our baseball podcast in addition to major league baseball I'll just switch to you, T-Mobile. you plebeians who have to rely on the free game of the day <laughs> i've been a cord cutter for so long that it's uh, I, I've had to I've had to find various methods in order to be able to watch my team because of stupid blackout rules. Yes, yeah, that's the thing, right? Because you you've got blackout rules. I, I live in Chicago and I'm watching the Cardinals, so I'm blocked out for 19 to 23 games a year. Um, I, watching the Astros in Houston must be a, a tougher proposition. It, it is, it, and it MLB TV kind of turned me off during the 2020 season. Um, it had a package where you could spend 50 bucks and you'd get all of your home team, the team of your choices games. I was like, yeah, I'll pick the Astros. It's not like they're going to be blacked out because no one can go to the games anyway. And sure enough, I was blacked out for 32 games, I believe, out of the 2020 season. So needless to say, I did not renew my subscription. Yeah. Well, hey, let's uh, let's talk about some uh, things that did happen in baseball this week. Uh, much lighter week this week than last week. Last week, we had basically an entire offseason. Uh, this week, uh, uh, well, let's let's start with the transaction. It's a little bit lower down on the um, outline, but I'm going to start with it. Catel uh, uh, Marte uh, extended by the Diamondbacks for five years and $76 million. Uh, very team-friendly extension. I mean, that's the kind of extension you expect for a guy like uh Cattell Marte I guess um you know he's not like an MVP candidate but he's obviously the sort of the face of the franchise uh at this point and uh yeah I mean he was like I think he was basically done with arbitration um or I guess he was he was already he was already on an extension so now his his extension existing extension was ending this year so essentially they bought out the first year of the extension and the the two team options and then added a couple years onto it. Um, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it seems like a good move. Yeah. As a Dodger fan, you get to watch Marte a lot with that Diamondbacks team. And he's just an exciting player. He's just, he brings a charge. He's interesting. He's like, he's kind of a five tool light guy. 
um, switch hitter. He's a lot of what makes baseball fun. And I think in an Arizona roster where there isn't a lot to really look forward to, I think this is a cool deal to kind of hold on to him. Uh, And then, of course, if they do eventually trade him, which I think they probably should have done by now if that was their goal to kind of maximize their results. I mean, after this 2021 season, there were maybe some thoughts that 2019 was a juice ball year for him, but he had a really impressive season this year and he has a really solid bat and he can kind of play anywhere. And the switch hitting is like one side is definitely a lot better than the other, but he brings it, man. He's a fun guy to watch. I like this move a lot. And if he ends up on another team in two years, then good for everybody. I I went to go double check on the Jose Ramirez extension to compare and forgot just how team friendly that extension was. Uh, That one was five years and I think $26 million, which is, I think you you sort of can't compare. And also Ramirez is is just a better player than Marte. Not that Marte is bad. It's just like, uh, you know, Jose Ramirez is like a perennial MVP candidate who is being paid peanuts uh, and Marte is good. He's good. You know, he, he had that uh, fourth place MVP finish in 2019, like you said. Um, yeah, I mean, I I just don't see the Diamondbacks being very good for, for you know, in, in the next five years. Maybe maybe they'll figure something out, but it, it really seems like this is a, hey, you're our franchise face for three years, and then for the last two years, we'll, we'll send you somewhere because you're on a team-friendly deal. Which is fine, I guess. I mean, yeah, they they were the worst team in the NL last year. Kind of quietly. I mean, the Rockies get a lot of the hate in the NL West, but the Diamondbacks had a really rough time. Um, but yeah, I don't think... When you look at that division, it's hard to really look at a scenario where they would compete anytime soon. And I think it's still... I know a lot of people just think you should tear it down when you don't have an immediate prospect of winning, but sometimes it's fine to just reward your guys, reward your fans, give them something. Somebody to yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, that's true. I don't particularly think you should tear it down. I just think teams generally do tear it down when they're at this point. So it is, it is a little bit interesting to see that, that they didn't do that. Um, you know, they, they've obviously, they've still got Badis and Bumgarner for another few years uh, or whatever's left of him. Um, you know, like it's, it's <laughs> one of those things where, where at the beginning of last year, the roster looked not like an amazing roster. They didn't, you know, I, I didn't think they were going to finish first in the NL West, certainly, um, you know, with, with the, with the surprise that was the, the giants, especially, but like, they seemed like they were going to finish middle of the pack and, and, and be an, an okay team. And then suddenly they were the worst team in the national league. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. The, the, the diamondbacks, uh, regularly confuse me. So I, I, I really can't, say <laughs> they are kind of an enigma there's there are a couple players on that team that are really interesting and really fun to watch nick ahmed plays an amazing shortstop he is such an impressive defensive player no bat but a really fun watch at shortstop uh carson kelly is a fun catcher you know for the catching position that i think probably could get picked up somewhere else i know i heard i remember hearing yankees fans toss that name around as they were still coming to terms with the fact that ben rortvet might just be their catcher this year with in part um some f- interesting young pitchers. Uh, Merrill Kelly's there. Zach Gallen's there. Uh, Luke Weaver is not that good, but he's fine. It's just it's a it's a team that's not gonna shape up with the Dodgers. It's not gonna shape up with the Padres. It's. it's I would just like to remind there. you that Merrill Kelly is uh, older than Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> 
oh jesus is he really oh my goodness <laughs> yeah he's i don't know hero. where that came from then <laughs> well, well he, I like, like, he gives you a, gives you a good idea of what they're working with then huh? merrill kelly just kind of showed up out of nowhere and was a rookie in 2019 whereas madison bumgarner you know had been good for like 10 years before that so well, something else to keep in mind too is they have three of the top 25 prospects in in baseball um it looks like between Alec Thomas and Corbin Carroll are projected to make their major league debuts in the next year, next season or so. And then the young shortstop prospect Jordan Waller is projected for 2024. Uh, so maybe they're just, they're, they're retaining uh, Cattell Marte in hopes that these guys kind of make the breakthrough. They have a young core with a, you know, with a, with a, with someone with experience and then they can kind of build from there uh so as dire as it looks uh maybe they have some good stuff on the up you know on the come up yeah maybe um all right let's uh let's talk about what uh what i think we don't want to talk about uh and that is the return of the manfred runner um uh we're we're being told specifically in the outline to not call it the ghost runner so I, I will not do that, but you might know it as such. Apparently, Ben Lindbergh of Effectively Wild calls it the zombie runner, since it's a runner that made the last act coming back from the dead. Anyway, uh, yes, the, the, uh, at least for 2022, the uh, runner starting on second base for extra innings uh, will be returning. Uh, as, as of now, it is, I believe, only for 2022. They have not agreed upon it for future seasons uh they've cited that it's a shortened season and and you know you have built in double headers uh, which are nine inning double headers mind you uh which is at least you know some solace in this um yeah i uh i i don't know any baseball fan who likes this rule um but it does create more offense does it though it creates the bunt sack fly game which i guess is offense it it makes a lot of sense to the to the teams and to the players so the players if you look at the math last year of how this rule actually did cut back on the number of extra innings played it's pretty significant um so it's it's reasonable to understand you know they are kind of viewing this lockout adjusted off season somewhat similar to the 2020 weird season in terms of you know, pitchers are going to be reduced. You want to limit the inning workload. You want to limit unnecessary work. Um, so, yeah, if you're a player and you're like, hey, we're going to pay you the same as before, but here's the thing that's going to make you not have to go deep into the night. You know, think about you have a, a, a travel day. You have a day game on a Wednesday and it's a go day. And, you know, now the game stretches on into 15 innings. So your now easy travel day has now turned into a mess. All of those sorts of things are gone. They don't have to worry about them for players. And, you know, we know the owners don't really care about the baseball itself. It's one of those things that it's just kind of left to the fans to lose because we don't get a seat at the table. And that's fun. (laughs) The specific stat I saw was that in 2020 and 21, uh, there was only one game that went longer than 13 innings. In 2019, there were 23 games that went longer than 13 innings. So I get it. It does mathematically we we have enough of a data sample just to say that it does reduce the length of games which then in turn reduces the wear and tear on players reduces you know the number of relief pitches you're going to use in late innings uh and all that stuff so so i i i get where they're coming from um and it also it also reduces the possibility of injury right if you if you cut down on even on you know even if all those t- 
13 plus inning games were 14 innings. That's still 23 fewer innings in a season. And I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's more like 50, 60, 70 fewer innings in a season. Um, something to put out there was to, to borrow uh, something my, my good friend Shane here said last week is, is what does it add to the competitiveness of the game in having the, the I almost said it, the, the Manfred runner on second? Um, I, I get the um, so okay. So you so you approach the you approach extra innings as there's a runner on second with no outs. How are you going to pitch around a batter? Um, are you going to have to game plan for the like like Shane said the the bunt sacrifice? Uh, it, is that really adding to how exciting the game is, or is it just kind of a cheesy let's just speed the game up mechanism? No, I I don't I. I do think it's cheesy, but if, if we're if we're you know to to, to play I, I guess a little bit of devil's advocate here, I, I do think it it is you know it does add to the excitement because as as frustrating as it is to to you know for an unearned actually is an unearned run right for for an unearned run uh to 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 be the decider in in the you know tenth eleventh twelfth inning. Um, it does create that bit of offense, which does create that bit of extra stress, right? Like, you know, it, going into the 10th inning with a runner on second base, like that is more worrisome than going into the 10th inning with a runner not on second base, right? So it is more, on paper, it is more exciting. I also don't want it to be clear, but on paper, that is more exciting to have a runner on second base than to not have a runner on second base because now you're more worried about your team or more excited about your team potentially scoring that run. Um, you know, if if you, in the top of the inning, prevent the other team from scoring, then in the bottom of the inning, you just need that bunt sacrifice to get that run. Um, so I... I I see it both ways. Again, I, I I don't like the rule, but it, and not to have this conversation. Cause I said before the show, we don't, we don't have the time for this conversation, but I do see like in the same way of banning the shift increases offense by preventing that from happening. I see how putting that runner on second increases offense. Again, I disagree with both things and we do plan to have a full segment on this because I know Shane has a lot of thoughts and a lot of well <laughs> thought out thoughts. Like Thank you. you've been thinking about this for a long time. Damn and it, it makes a lot of sense. Every waking hour. Enough to even <laughs> change my hardened stance a bit. So, so I, I see, I see for, for me though, both feel related. It feels like, yes, you, you can, I, I, as far as offense increasing, you know, the, the, the pace of play as much as, as much as that seems like a buzzword and, and pretty stupid, um, uh, uh, inc- it does, it does affect pace of play because like, I think of all of the Manfred rules to, to affect pace of play, uh, this is the one that most concretely does it. You know, most people are not excited by a 15, 16, 17 inning baseball game. Even those of us who love baseball, mm-hmm. like some, it gets cool when it gets to a really high number and like, is this going to be a record? But like in the 15th inning of a game in Arizona, when you live in central time um, and like the game starting to go into 2 AM, it's like, can we just finish this game, please? Yeah. So, it's pretty, especially uh, it, it's it's weird for me because uh, my team plays in the West and I live in the Central Time Zone. We play a lot of games against the Mariners that start at nine o'clock uh, Houston time, and and seeing those games go to twelve thirteen innings and it's you know it's two o'clock in the morning and it's a Tuesday and you got to get up and go to work in the morning, but you know you're already that invested. It's it's pretty miserable. 
Yeah. So so I, I I see that side of the argument that you don't want these games going super long because of again there there's there are plenty of fans not only just not only just Houston fans who have to who have to deal with the other four teams being in the Western Time Zone the Pacific Time Zone um, but you know there's there are Giants there's plenty of Giants and Dodgers fans on the on the East Coast um, who you know, do also don't want to stay up till one, two in the morning for every 12 inning game. So I, I, I get that side of it. I don't like it though. I still don't like it. Again, I, I, I get your side of the, the shift thing that we were talking about last week. Still don't like it. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a hard at one. End, at the end of the day, the, the, the owners introduced it. The players asked for it back. Both parties involved who want it, want it. And that's kind yeah. of all that matters. Right. And that's and that's what's uh, what's worrisome for 2023 and beyond, because the players are the ones who wanted it back for 2022. So it coming back for 2023 and beyond seems like it's uh, not. uh, I wouldn't say it's a foregone conclusion like the DH was, but it seems like it's it's highly likely. Um, all right, we've got a couple other notes. Uh, MLB is proposing symptoms, uh, sorry, systems for catchers to send electronic signals to pitchers, and they're testing it in spring training. I'm not a big football guy, but this is ex- a thing that exists in the NFL, right? I'm not going to comment on using electronic signals in baseball games. <laughs> uh, I think that's the right yes. decision. <laughs> I think that's the I was right decision. Step out for this one. Uh, no, but this this is a thing for for um, like like coaches and quarterbacks, something like that, right? I, am I am I wrong? Yeah, I feel there's, like this the is dot, there's a headset. There's a direct headset connection between the quarterback or the play caller on the defensive side and the coordinator who's calling the plays. But that's a that's a headset. That's that's a microphone and an earpiece setup. That's not necessarily a signal setup. On at the end of the day here, whatever whatever gets the job done, whatever makes people not complain. Um, I think that the the radio signal Man, doesn't can, mean- can you can you imagine can you imagine like uh, a team uh hacking into RF signals to get the other team's signs? Well I mean if <laughs> sure. anything about hacking uh nine, it's yours. But you know Ooh. what? F- f- uh, fair fair enough. <laughs> well uh just I'm pretty in this one. <laughs> a, little back- a little bit of backstory on this one. Isn't this in response to removing uh, – there was a story. It was the Tampa Bay Rays last year where it was a Kevin Kiermeyer had the had the play sheet fall out of his pocket and somebody picked yeah. it up. It, it, this was sort of uh, a workaround for preventing that sort of thing from happening where, uh, you know, uh, alignment shifts and, and things like that on paper are removed from the game altogether. That's kind of what the purpose of the, of this 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 proposed change is. Uh, yeah, I, I can see that. Uh, by the way, Kiermaier was the the player who picked up the sheet. It was oh, right. uh, okay. uh, Alejandro Kirk of the Blue Jays. Who, okay, yeah, uh, who dropped the Blue Jays in the race, and Kiermaier was the one that picked up the paper. I think yeah, Kiermaier was the runner, and Kirk was the catcher. Um, right. so he picked, he picked it up on the, uh, yeah, you know, I can see that it, it's such a, that was such a weird situation too. Cause it's, it's such like, it's such a fluke situation. I've like never seen that happen before. It happened one time and they're like, we got to change the rules. Like, well, don't drop your play card, <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay. I think, well, I think the handling of it, of the situation as it happened was pretty poor, which is why there may have been some, you know, outrage to how it kind of happened. I, I don't know. 
I mean, I, I don't I think it's not ju- I don't think that's the only reason that we're going through this change of how I mean, Phil alluded to it earlier, but this is like, I think this we understand for a while, right? I, I feel like we've been hearing about this for a while. Yeah. As this is an issue that we've been well, talking about for a while. This particular method, you know, you're you can find your pros and your cons with any of them. It's fine. I really just hope more than anything, we see we don't see more of players looking at cards. There is nothing one of my biggest pet peeves of the of the analytics revolution is shots of outfielders looking in their hats, shots of players stepping out to like get an extra long report. All of that is annoying and needs to stop. I read something about things in helmets. I don't remember ever seeing that, but that uh it's just just play the game. Just play baseball. Yeah, I don't know. It, it is it is certainly one of those things where where as analytics get better and better, it makes sense to spend more and more time trying to figure this stuff out. But on the other hand, like you, you yeah, the, the, you know, it's, I don't know. It's tough. Like, like how much are you going to know on a cheat sheet for, for each of nine guys plus defensive substitutions? Um, like just to, to remember that, you know, like I, I get it. Right. The, the point of the cheat sheet is, we know this data, we can tell you this data, and you can spend your time learning this data, or you can spend your time in a batting cage, in a, in a, you know, in a, uh, in batting practice, pitching, whatever, um, and we'll just write it down on a card for you to take a look at. You know, I, I don't particularly mind infielders and outfielders looking in, at the inside of their hats um, as much as pitchers and catchers having to do it. Um, you know, it, it, for, for me, I, I agree. It seems like it's, it's the kind of thing that, this is part of a, a catcher's job um, mm-hmm. is, is to know these things. And maybe it's just because Yadier Molina has been my team's catcher for the last 20 years. And he's really good at this specific thing of knowing each batter, like how to pitch to each batter and how to position the defense for each batter. So he'll just do it. And there's, you know, the Cardinals still have cards in their hats and stuff, but like, you know, I, there's, 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 always enough downtime between batters or between pitches for for an infielder or an outfielder to look inside their hat and not really make it like a dent in any sort of time or enjoyment um but i i do agree that you know the more that pitches and catchers have to do it the, the more annoying it is so if you know if even if it's like an earpiece between the the um, catcher and the manager, right? And the manager tells the catcher, okay, here's how we're pitching this guy. And then everything else is just as normal. The catcher giving, you know, some sort of sign, you know, I guess that's. Why don't they go to the NFL route? Like quarterbacks do and just have the wrist guards that have all the play calling on it. And then the The catcher catcher already has that though. They do. Yeah, they do have that. Yeah, Remember when Alejandro cool Clark dropped his? That's that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's necessary. I understand that's, but part of it is, you know, it, to make the football comparison again, in the NFL, you have the headsets. In college, you have, you know, big pictographs they hold up on the sidelines. And I guess they're both fine. I say both work. But I prefer, like, there's something, I don't, just, if you're, the catcher is the quarterback of the of the baseball team. The pitcher, like, that level of communication is part of the catcher's job. I think that's part of what catching is. That's why catching is allowed to have lesser production on the other side of it because it plays such an important role of making the whole game work. I don't know. I just I feel like it takes away from the value of that uh, a little bit if you entirely put it in something like the manager's hands. I think that 
I think I love the role of the catcher as the game manager. And I know that is somewhat kind of old baseball and maybe isn't very relevant anymore when pretty much everyone runs platoons of, of guys and no one plays a full season. And I get all of that, but I don't know. I'm worried I might sound like a boomer here. I think this, is, this is the second week in a row where, where we're talking about a thing that I don't have to deal with, right? Like, yeah. Where it's like, like, oh, we don't like the ships. Like, yeah, Cardinals don't shift. Oh, catchers need to be on-field managers. Oh, yeah, we have Yadi Molina. Like, it's just like, it's such a, like, I, but I agree, right? I, I do want, I want other teams to be more like the Cardinals. I think is what we're all agreeing. All of us agree now that all teams should be more like the Cardinals. <laughs> um, let's move on before anybody disagrees. Yeah, let's with move me. on. Um, MLB also announced. <laughs> MLB also announced they're going to re-up their efforts to prevent sticky substance usage, and we'll have humidors in all 30 ballparks this year. Uh, I'm hoping it keeps the ball dry in humid areas and keep it more consistent between ballparks. Well, the humidor came back to pr- uh, prominence more recently with kind of trying to figure out how to address cores and how to address these really extreme offensive run environments. We've seen them kind of sprout up in more and more parks over the last couple of years. Um, so I guess this was kind of a logical move. We were, we've been progressing to this point. I guess it provides, you know, some level of consistency of the ball across all 30 stadiums, which is definitely something that fans have been complaining about. There have been lots of talks about the balls varying. Um, so I guess that's good. Um, I just wonder if, I mean, I'm sure that the effects may vary from place to place but i don't does a does a one size fits all solution necessarily work because the whole point was you're trying to neutralize the run environment i don't entirely understand the science enough to really comment on something like that yeah i mean i think i think you you can you can use humidors in different ways right like you can Mm -hmm. adjust them um apparently so 10 teams were using humidors already as of last year and i did not know this rockies diamondbacks uh, Red Sox, Mariners, Mets, Astros, Marlins, Cardinals, Rangers, and Blue Jays were all using Humidor last year. Yeah, I don't um, why we would use Humidors. It's already humid enough in Houston as it is, and the ballpark uh, closed and air conditioned, so I don't understand. Yeah, I think I think they were specifically because it was indoor air conditioned, so it was kind of creating a, a different environment. Um, I'm not really sure. Yeah, Colorado and Arizona have been using them for a while. The other teams, I had no idea until literally right now as I was looking it up. Um, I'll leave it to the physics people. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, um, uh, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to see... Um, the seven and at the end of 2019 are notable for appearing in cities where they will uh, usually prov- provide lower humidity storage, the opposite effect from Colorado and Arizona, which doesn't necessarily translate to opposite on-field results. I'm reading this from Yahoo Sports. Um, uh, boosting the baseball's storage humidity uh, adds weight but decreases the bounciness of the ball, which means it carries better once in the air but leaves the bat at lower exit velocities. In humid cities near sea level, like Houston, Miami, or St. Louis, the humidors push the levers in opposite ways. A humidor ball would be easier to hit hard, but wouldn't fly as far because lighter balls have increased drag or air resistance. Okay, see, that makes sense uh, park being a hitter's park. And, you know, having that short porch over in left field, wanting to deaden the ball a little bit, I, I guess, is, sounds logical. Yeah, I guess. Um, again, none we of us are experts on this. We just want consistency uh, hey, more than anything else. 
Right. After yeah, the juice true. ball yeah. of 2019, after and then going back, the total yo-yo of it all. It's a total mess. It's just just give us something yeah pick a thing and stick with it um i will say uh, uh none of us are uh experts on the physics here but if you are an expert on the physics uh send us an email our baseball weekly at gmail.com uh and uh maybe we'll have you on the show or uh or send a dm to lewis cardiff underscore lorda yes all ball uh, cool. experts dm lewis for sure if you're if if you're as, as, please do not DM Lewis pictures of your balls. Um, oh, let's move that's on not what to, I said. <laughs> let's move on uh, to the next topic, uh, which is Cody Bellinger. Wow, this is just kind of mean. Uh, Cody Bellinger uh, not looking good in spring training. Fourteen strikeouts and nineteen at bats. Uh, I'm just gonna give you the floor, Shane. Go ahead. It's it's all over again. I mean, any take you have. We haven't heard before. Um, Cody Bellinger is permanently changing his his position. Uh, his, sorry, his his stance all the time. Every couple months, he's tweaking it. Um, there's a lot of people in the Dodger circle who are always constantly wondering why they don't just tweak it back to that good old 2019 MVP stance. But I'm sure there has to be a reason for that. God praying that there has to be a reason for that. Um, he's he's gonna he's out figure it out and the thing with cody is he's such a talented uh, defense player in center field and he's really athletic from a running point of view that even if he does just recover to a league average hitter that's totally be a multi-win valuable starting player under those conditions he just can't be the worst hitter baseball again he's amazing i mean it is a 10 win swing between his 2019 and his 2021 but at the end of the day he's just i've said that way too much today he's just got to figure it out and if he if he does, I, that's the thing that I really wonder is I wonder just how long his leash is. He said that a lot last year, and he figured it out in the postseason. He had an amazing postseason, had some really big hits. But uh, yeah, I mean it's you know it's it's such a weird sort of situation with uh, with both Bellinger and uh, Yelich, who we talk a little bit about in the um, uh, division preview a little bit later. So we'll you know I, I won't uh, belabor that too much, but it is like. Uh, you know, you you expect a, potentially a drop off uh, from from players like that, but not to the to the degree that they had. Bellinger obviously more so than Yelich. Um, so I guess we'll you know, yeah. Not, there's really not much more I can say that you haven't already said or that other people haven't already said. But well, I guess we'll just keep an eye on Cody Bellinger, see how he does this year. And uh... I have one really quick hypothetical for you. So 2019, he's amazing. 2020, he's fine-ish. 2021, he's the worst hitter in baseball. If he goes out there and he's a defensive player in center field, he runs the bases well, and he's exactly league average OPS plus. I, you know, I think probably if he's a league average hitter, um, I would still probably think he gets like a, a, a decent like prove it contract, like a one year, 10 million or one year, 12 million type thing. You don't um, think someone can trick themselves that MVP season back for more than one year, 10 million. I don't know. I really have no idea. It fascinates me. I feel like out of 30 teams, there'd be one team that would see Bellinger's pedigree, that would see his history, and somehow convince themselves that they could unlock that. Yeah, I so, you know, for, 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 for me, the question is like, are they going to give him five years and a hundred million? Uh, maybe, you know, but if they're, if they're not, then I as Bellinger would want to take a shorter prove it deal 
because uh, because he's you know he's gonna give me 27 signing this contract so like it's it's you know it seems better for him to be like unless some team wants to give him uh a, a, like an actual big contract uh it seems like uh, you know if if he if he bounces back to just league average then then even he can be like okay well if i'd get another year can prove myself as maybe not that MVP hitter, but maybe the rookie of the year hitter that he was, or, or, or the, uh, you know, still pretty good hitter. He was in the year between the rookie of the year and MVP. Um, you know, if he can prove himself to be, he would still be a three, four win player. Well, with a league average bat, he wouldn't with, okay. Maybe not with exactly with not exactly 100 OPS plus, but with the value of the defense in center field, he could easily be a three-win player with a mediocre bat. Yeah, with, 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 with a slightly above-average bat, he could be a three-to-four-win player for sure. Um, and and so maybe, but like, I don't know. I I I I think if I were, it's 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 the same as the Michael Conforto situation, right? I guess it depends if the Dodgers give him a a qualifying offer because Michael Conforto feels like a similar player, uh, just without you know actually being an MVP. Um, but like if if we take out Bellinger's MVP season, if we assume that was a fluke, which I'm not saying it was, but if, you know, based on the other seasons, maybe it was. Um, if we assume that was a fluke, his numbers are not that far off from from Michael Conforto's, uh, except he is a better defender. So like, you know, it's and Conforto can't find a place to land. Right. But Conforto is saddled with a qualifying offer. Uh, so. I don't know. Yeah, if he, doesn't it's, it's, the, it's, if he doesn't return to the Dodgers, Cody Bellinger sounds like prime Colorado Rockies uh, material. <laughs> you <know>, maybe. <laughs> well, you know, you, um, you said you know, chase, chasing that 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 rookie MVP candidate season and overpaying for him. That, that sounds like a that sounds like the Colorado Rockies uh, mo. Uh, all right, uh, last two bits. Uh, first one, real quick. Nationals retired Zam- Ryan Zimmerman's number. Uh, I feel like this is a shock to uh, nobody uh, in the world. Uh, Zimmerman officially retired, what, like two weeks ago? And they're like, all right, let's retire his number. Mr. National. And Zim Zam the phone. Uh, it, was, it was it was about a month ago, yeah. but it was it was yeah it was it was uh, mid February he retired, uh, and uh, late March they retire his number. It feels right. It's it's Ryan Zimmerman. Perfect, love it. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I think yeah. I think nobody can dislike this move. It's he's the face of the franchise, uh, universally successful, popular, everyone loves. Him. Yep. Uh, and then lastly, uh, just a very, very quick note, because this is the R baseball podcast, not the RMLB podcast. That one is much worse. Uh, I'm kidding. It doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> uh, Texas tech, uh, yesterday stole home, uh, a straight steal of home, a walk-off steal of home to beat number two, Texas. Uh, have you guys watched this clip? It's so cool. Uh, I'm- it's just, it's, this is exactly what you dream about in the backyard. Like this is. This is me as a seven-year-old over and over again in my dreams. I mean, it is, I always yeah. think hitting a home run, but stealing home is kind of awesome. Every anyone can hit a home run. <laughs> it takes only a special kind of steal home. Yeah, yeah, it takes a special kind well, of that, steal no, home. That's exactly. what I'm saying. The same. The isn't is it not the same guy who hit the walk off grand slam the next day? <laughs> is it? <laughs> Okay, you, you. We maybe want to get this story right because I'm pretty sure. 
Yeah, walk-off Grand Slam the day after the walk-off steal of home by, I think, the same guy. Yep, Texas Tech shortstop Kurt Wilson. Uh, Wow. Yes, sir. (laughs) I did not know that part. That's That's incredible. That's amazing. Yeah, steal of home, and then the next day, a a walk-off Grand Slam. That is amazing. You got to check out uh, TTU underscore baseball is the Texas Tech baseball Twitter, uh, and uh, you can watch the clips there. Uh, in fact, the, uh, the steal of home is their pinned tweet right now. Um, yeah, that kid needs to go buy a lottery ticket. Right. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Wilson, how old is he? Is he, uh, who's, who's drafting him? He's a junior. So a fourth year junior. So he, uh, he could be, he could be going in, uh, in just two months in the draft. So keep an eye out. for All we need is a walk-off balk and he's done it all. <laughs> he's got the walk-off cycle. <laughs> the walk-off <laughs> cycle. Uh, all right. I think that is going to do it for the intro this week. Uh, guys, thanks so much for joining me again. Thank you for having me. We're almost there. Baseball's so close. So, so close. We're so close. Yeah. Very much looking forward to it. Next next week's episode will be the last one without actual baseball games to be. Oh, I mean the spring training, but like without real regular season major league baseball games to discuss. So uh, very excited about that uh, and very excited about this next segment that is already recorded. It's uh, me, Dylan and Deej talking about the central divisions. So stick around for that. guys uh this is dylan we are continuing our division dandy series we got the centrals today and with us are our guests uh one will be at least very familiar to frequent podcast listeners it is naeem and we also have Deegis. Hey. I was I, I was here thirty seconds ago. I'm I'm just I'm on the whole episode today. It's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, so extremely familiar. And then Deej, uh, also a our baseball mod, so you should know his name pretty well. And he's been on a couple times. Yeah. yeah, I'm an old, I'm an old salt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we got a good crew today to talk about the Centrals. Um, got a Guardians fan and a Cardinals fan and a. Uh, Brace fan wearing a Cubs shirt. So we got all of our, I think, corners covered here. Yeah, you, you guys can't see, but Dylan has a W flag in his background. Uh, yeah. I presume because of your girlfriend. Yeah, not, <laughs> not me, but it, it works for the aesthetic of the apartment. You know, yeah, I think it looks sure. nice. Uh, I, like, I like their stuff. I so. think a nice big uh, blue flag with a white L on it would be better, but that's fine. That's <laughs> for you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, wearing, I'm wearing a Kyle Schwarber t-shirt from like Ooh. 2015. That's a good one, so uh <laughs> it's very outdated <laughs> but um a couple interesting divisions to talk about last week we talked about the east and kind of the so many teams that you could pencil in as contenders the centrals are different in a certain <laughs> sense you got a lot of contenders uh maybe for the division but less so that you would consider world series contenders between these two and um i think let's start with the nl central where there's one team at the top. It's the Brewers that I think most people consider to be the returning favorite after what they did last year, but not a whole lot going on with them as far as any major pickups. They, they've fortified a little bit, and then the Cardinals picked up a little bit while the others have kind of fallen back either this offseason or last trade deadline. So 
Um, now, where do you kind of weigh the Cardinals and the Brewers atop this division? And do you think anyone else can get into that mix? So I think, I think really every other team has is in a transitionary period. The, the Cubs started transitioning at the end of last year, the Reds, really this off season and the pirates have sort of been transitioning for the last 25 years or so. Um, but, uh, <laughs> only 25. Yeah. Um, uh, no, the, 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 the pirates I think are coming up, you know, they've got Brian Reynolds, they've got Cabrian Hayes. Like they've, they've got a lot of good young guys. I just think that this is not the year that you expect the pirates to be good. The reds similarly have, have sort of, you know, parted ways with Nick Castellanos, uh, you moved, moved guys here and there that they, they seem like they'll, they'll, they'll be fine. They might finish above 500. They might. Like, you know, they'll, 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 I think they'll finish around there. They're, they're, they're like, they're a, an average enough team. Uh, the Cubs, you, you know, the Cubs have made a couple of signings that, that seem like, okay, maybe in a year or two is when they think that they could potentially mm. compete again. But yeah, I think at the top of the division, it's, it's definitely the Brewers and the Cardinals. And like, it would, it would take something insane, like a, like a giant's year for, for, for them to not be the, the one and two in the division. Now, who's the one and who's the two, obviously I'm biased. I, I, you know, I would think the Cardinals, I hope the Cardinals at least would, would be the number one in the division. Um, you know, the, the Brewers, I mean, I guess the, the biggest issue the Brewers had last year and potentially going forward is that Christian Yelich is not playing like Christian Yelich. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if, if, if he returns to form, that's, that's huge for the Brewers. If he doesn't, then that's not great for the Brewers. Um, I think their biggest move was what trading Jackie Bradley Jr. For Hunter Renfro, which is yeah. a, addition by subtraction. Jackie Bradley Jr. Is really bad. So <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot, it's lateral. Yeah. I think yeah. Uh, when, when I look at the NL central, uh, I kind of feel like the, the Brewers are top heavy, you know, they got Woodruff and, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Burns. Burns and then yeah. uh, you know Hader and y- Yelich hopefully don't forget it, Peralta we have to mention yeah. my boy Freddie Peralta yeah, yeah. so they're um, yeah they're, they're they're top heavy they they probably more more stars like might have a higher ceiling than the Cardinals the Cardinals have a way higher floor I think they're a more complete team I don't think they really have any weaknesses so it's just kind of a can the Brewers maintain with their their stars because we know the Cardinals are gonna win ninety games, like, like right? Yeah, with, 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 with the Cardinals, the, the the big sort of questions is is you know Jack Flaherty has been having injury trouble even even into this spring training, all of last year. You know Adam Wainwright is another year older. Can he can he repeat his insane age forty season or whatever that was 39, 40 mm. season? Um, and then you know and then you have Dakota Hudson, Miles Michaelis, uh, Stephen Matz in the rotation. It's like okay, those are all adequate to good pitchers. It's just like, you know, if, if you don't get another Wainwright season or another Flaherty season that you want to get, then, then you're really struggling at the top end of the rotation. Uh, the, um, the lineup I'm not worried about, right. The, the lineup is on, on paper. Everybody is, is uh, decent to good except maybe Paul DeYoung and Paul DeYoung at this point is really just holding a spot for Nolan Gorman to play second base in a couple months. So mm-hmm. the, the, the lineup is really like, as long as they can hit, as long as they can click right, then you're not really worried about that on paper. Uh, the rotation is definitely like, okay, you know, if, if, again, if you're hinging on 41 year old Adam Wainwright, um, it's not the place you want to be in ideally. 
Have the Cardinals done anything this offseason to really that feels like it was a step forward, or is it mainly just running no, this team back and hoping Nolan Gorman steps in? Because I really can't think of anyone that's like, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's additions just, on the fringes, but it's just, not yeah, a lot. It's just Mats and um, uh, Dickerson, like, you know, two perfectly decent players. Right. You know, like you're happy to have those guys in a clubhouse. Matt's is a lefty, which the Cardinals did not have another one of when with going and him, uh, Kim leaving. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's not, not like a big addition. Um, uh, you know, I, I would have loved to have seen the mad Marcus Stroman, which is what the Cubs did. Um, I think that would have been a, a, a huge addition for the Cardinals. Great for the, for a, they're also a, an excellent defense. That's like the Cardinals calling card over the last couple of years is, is being one of the best defenses in the, in the major leagues. Um, and so Stroman would have been a perfect fit. They didn't make that move. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. I think, I think nothing else really made sense as a huge move for them to make besides mm-hmm. Stroman or maybe another starter. Um, but you know, I, it's, it's a well put together team. It's every, every year the Cardinals are a well put together team. So mm-hmm. I'm not like concerned about it. Uh, it is, but it is like, all right, you know, are we going to get a full season of Jack Flaherty being the guy we know Jack Flaherty can be? Cause mm-hmm. if, if we get that, then, you know, everything else will hopefully fall into place. If you don't get that, then, you know, then you're just kind of playing, uh, playing cat and mouse with the brewers and, and seeing who finishes at the top. Yeah. I think my main thing with both of those teams, since both of them kind of just played it steady this offseason, right? Like Andrew McCutcheon signed with the Brewers, but like Andrew McCutcheon at this point in his career is not a major ad. It's an ad. Yeah. Right? It's, it's not fine. nothing. And I'm sure he's like the best clubhouse dude in the world. Right. But, you know, I think both of these teams view what they have as we can ascend past what we've been with the same players. And it's not like a totally unheard of proposition right you you talked about yelich the idea of like the brewers just accepting christian yelich as like a 700s ops guy they they probably really think he can turn that around and look at guys like keston Hira, who were just we, me and naeem have talked extensively about keston Hira. he's just been he's bad he's bad at baseball for like two straight years right yeah. but if he turns into something that's such a huge benefit for them and then you got the cardinals they got huge years out of Tyler O'Neill and Paul Goldschmidt, but maybe you can get more out of Arenado. Maybe you can get more out of these spots where like Matt Carpenter was taking up time last year. And I, I hate the bag on Matt Carpenter, but no, I get it. Know. Like, yeah, Matt Carpenter was not good last year. Right. And yeah. that's, that's the thing, right. It, as, as you expect Gorman to come up, the Matt Carpenter role gets replaced by Edmundo Sosa and Paul DeYoung who are, you know, perfectly adequate baseball players. But like at this point, you know, a 27 year old Paul DeYoung is better than a 37 year old Matt Carpenter. Like for sure. I'd rather have that. Yeah. And, but I, I kind of think about the Cardinals, like I do the blue Jays where the blue Jays are very clearly a nice contender in the AL East. Right. I think a lot of people would have them as a favorite in the AL East, but they benefited really hard from a couple of players that had really insane breakouts last year and Robbie Ray and Marcus Simeon. And I can't help, but feel the same about a guy like Tyler O'Neill who the Cardinals couldn't give a job to for like four years and then was their best player essentially. Right. So it's hard for me to picture all of this happening. Plus the guys that actually did break out last year or like someone like Goldschmidt, right. Goldschmidt has a long track record, but he was, that was his best, you know, year at the Cardinals for sure. 
can they maintain the best of what they had last year while adding in breakouts from someone like Carlson or Gorman? Like, is that a feasible route to a championship? I mean, I think that's that's kind of what you need as a route to a championship, right? Like, because you can't have all established players, right? Someone's got to break out. Yeah, you 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 are you know placing a lot of hope in Tyler O'Neill repeating Harrison Bader. You know, had a had a couple of really nice months that that made his season very good. And obviously, Harrison Bader is is really really good at defense, and that's where his value lies. And the offense is all just gravy. But yeah, I think you know Carlson Carlson had a nice season at age twenty two. He's, he's coming for a, for a second full season. Uh, I ex- I do expect that to be a breakout. Arenado had a just okay year last year for Norlin Arenado. It was a good year, but like as far as Arenado goes, you expect him to do a little better. First season on a big contract with a new team, uh, you know, you you kind of expect that to, to maybe to maybe change. Um, and yeah, Goldschmidt did have his, his best year as a Cardinal, but yeah, he's a guy with, with a long track record of success. So I, I, th- I think overall... You know, maybe maybe you expect O'Neill to regress a little bit, um, but I think I, I I would expect at least the Carlson breakout. You know, Edmund Tommy Edmund had a had a not ideal year at the plate, but was good at defense. Like I think overall, you you kind of expect the right guys to click at the right times. I like I said, I think it's I think it's a, a well constructed roster overall. You know, your 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 biggest hole is probably the fact that Yadier Molina is thirty nine years old, right? And just like but he's still Yadier Molina, right? Like he still, you know, can get clutch singles and, and is an on-field manager. Like his, his value is in his uh, prowess behind the plate, which is also declining. Obviously he's, he's not a young man, <laughs> but uh, far from it. Yeah. But, you know, I think, I think that's re- that's really like probably the weakest link. And if the weakest link is, is Yadier Molina, like I, I, I'm pretty happy with that. Not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Um, and to touch upon the Brewers one last time, you know, Christian Yelich is Christian Yelich is obviously they really need him, right? They really, really need him to come back. But is there anyone else on the roster that you guys circle or look at and think if this guy has a nice year, this is actually going to turn Milwaukee into like a serious contender rather than awesome rotation that's gonna have to win two one games in the playoffs? Because we saw we saw the impact. Willie Adamas made last year. And that turned out to be one of the best trades in baseball of recent memory because they got Willie Adamas out of the drop, which apparently is like, you know, giving him LASIK eye surgery. Um, Is there anyone that, you know, on their roster now or a position or anything that y'all see where someone breaks out or someone figures out their niche and they're serious as a world series contender and not just division contender? You know, I think uh, like Burns and Woodruff, they need those guys to, you know, be aces again. And then I think they need one of those uh, those down rotation guys like Freddie Peralta or Eric Lauer, or maybe Adrian Hauser. They need one of those guys to step up because like they, they need to rely on their rotation to succeed yeah. and go deep in the playoffs. Well, I think I think I think bullpen as well is is probably, you know, they, they have Josh Hader and they have. Devin Williams, I assume his yeah. hand is healed. Um, but that's like, about as good a one-two punch as there is. Right. Yeah. yeah. But then like, you know, they they don't really have like a seventh inning guy, right? Yeah. Or like or like or even like a sixth inning guy, which which I think I think, you know, that that's kind of what you 
ideally what you want is then that three-headed monster in the back where like you, you're playing yeah. a six inning ball game and then the last three innings you 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 know you just can't get a run off of so i think that's that is definitely something they could look for is is a bridge guy i also think first base they have rowdy tellez pen, penciled in at first base mm-hmm. yeah. like that's not really where you want to be to be a I think everyone uh, loves rowdy but like you know he's a fun guy yeah yeah, yeah. it's no listen but, uh, he's, he's he's fine like but they, and and dh as well you know with with the universal dh like yeah on fan graphs depth charts, they have uh, Andrew McCutcheon getting the most PAs at, at, at DH. And that's just like, yeah. Yeah. not really <laughs> like, yeah, you don't really want whatever 35 or 36 year old Andrew McCutcheon as your everyday uh, DH uh, if you can avoid it. They, so they would have been like the perfect like Nelson Cruz team to me yep. because you just plug in like one guy that you know is just going to come in and mash every day, you know, and it's like you don't care about the defensive part of it. You just need like a one bat you know, to plug in. And I think that makes a huge difference for a team like that. Maybe that's an internal guy. Like I've always liked Luis Urias and he had a really nice year last year, considering how much he had struggled before that. You know, he was a very, very competent third baseman, um, showed a lot of good power. Um, we talked about Adamas. Hira is another guy that, like I said, I've been down on, but guys have turned that around before. You know, he would not be the first. He won't, wouldn't be the last. I wouldn't count on it. I see your face, <laughs> but you know, it's it's not impossible. I so. think I, you know, I think I think probably one of the things that uh, that bit them was the the CBA. The CBA wasn't signed before Avi Garcia signed with the Marlins. Like I think if if they had a, a universal DH in place before, you know, like obviously like Garcia signed like right before the lockout, yeah. right? So like if 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 he had waited until after the lockout, they might have come to terms to sign him for a couple of years because he fits he fits right in as a DH. Like mm-hmm. like yeah, we may not want to use him in right field, but if we can use him at DH, like you yeah. know four fifty three is not the worst contract to give him. Yeah, and it would fit that kind of. I think a lot of National League teams are going to have more of a rotational usage of their DH, right, where they want to have a fourth outfielder and stuff like that, right? And I saw Garcia. I think is like a fairly competent outfielder, you know. Yeah, but fine. maybe maybe having him DH some, and then you bring in McCutcheon and then whoever else, you know, or you know. But I think Renfro and them would be good. I think they just you know having one more piece in the middle of the order would have been maybe more comfortable calling this team, like on like the Braves Mets kind of level. I do. I do want to mention probably the, the biggest or second biggest uh, uh, NL central signing, which we haven't mentioned yet is the say Suzuki Cubs signing. Yeah. Uh, mm. Which I think, I think that really put into context, the Stroman signing, which was the other biggest yeah. move in the, in the central for the offseason, was like, okay, Stroman felt very confusing for a team that, that, had had, you know, six months or four months earlier, uh, let go of everybody who anybody cared about on the team, uh, yeah. except for Wilson Contreras. And then, you know, adding Strom is like, okay, this is weird. Adding Suzuki on top of that is like, oh, I see. You think that this is your transition year and next year is, is maybe your year again. Yeah. It's interesting talking about, you know, we just talked about the Brewers and Cardinals being the main contenders, but they were not the biggest spenders. You yeah. know, that was the Cubs by a country mile after the Cubs just shed, you know, tens of millions of dollars in payroll last July, you know, I'm really curious to see how that team They didn't shed any of that payroll for 2022. All those guys' contracts were ending 2021. Yeah, right. But (laughs) they, it's, it's, we typically see teams that go into these rebuilding, retooling, whatever you want to call it phases, and they pocket a lot of that money that they got rid of. 
the Cubs, obviously their payroll is not what it was in 2016 or whatever, when they were, you know, paying all these guys, but like, you know, they, they are clearly trying to find value in places. And I think they must've thought, Hey, let's bring in guys with like high floors and reasonable ceilings and guys, especially Suzuki, like, if if Suzuki can be what he's built to be, you know, he could be a star, you know, like that's not unreasonable at all. He's a big power guy. He's won like the Japanese version of gold gloves. You know, the ball is going to carry very well in Wrigley for him, you know, in a yeah. daytime game. Um, you know, it's not, it's not, I, I like their idea. I just don't know. Their roster was left so shallow after last year and I just don't know what that looks like if the, even if they added to all-star quality guys. Yeah, I mean, like everyone else, they picked up a sort of like BC tier. They they got Jan Gomes, Clint Frazier, Wade Miley, Harold Ramirez. And well, Wade Miley was good last year. That was also like a weird red yeah. move to to non-tender him. But um uh yeah, I, you know, they uh, they also signed on Drelton Simmons, which yeah. is like it's a lot of guys who are fine, you know, decent. And then also Marcus Stroman and Seiya Suzuki. I like, yeah. It's just like, okay, <laughs> you know. I think the biggest thing I'll be watching for with the Cubs is Nick Madrigal, who was part yeah. of the Craig Kimbrell trade last year. And, uh, you know, it's not a surprise necessarily that the White Sox felt the need to move on because he had a major injury. He, he might be closer to a starter than a star. You know, but sure. his skill set is interesting enough to the point where you could see him doing a lot of damage at the top of a lineup. And, you know, maybe he's the guy that say is driving in every day, you know, because Nick Magical's two for four with two singles every single right. night, you know, and that's yeah, yeah. that's it's not the most valuable thing in the world, but you get that for six years with really good defense at second base, like it's hard to complain. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have the opposite side of uh, payrolls and you got the Reds and the Pirates. The Reds had spent and I guess they decided to not do that this year. Um, They let go Castellanos. They traded Winker and Suarez as part of a kind of a weird salary dump kind of situation for one one significant prospect and a couple others. Um, it's a weird situation because the Reds it's Sunny Gray like, as well and Tucker Barnhart. Yeah, Sunny yeah. Gray. Like, it's a, it's a, it was a, a lot. And then, you know, there's obviously the rumors around Luis Castillo and whoever else is remaining because once you start selling, it kind of Kyler feels Bailey, like you should, yeah. might finish the job here soon. Um, it was weird for them because they were a competent team that has a really interesting farm system. And that's a, that tends to be a good combination, right? It's the type of combination that the Cubs are, um, you know, I mean, the Cubs, the Cardinals, all these teams have used before to form their division title teams, right? You start with this foundation of competence and you add in stars. And when you have Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo and all these guys almost ready to go, and then you say, now's the time to trim back, it's just a confusing kind of mess that we get left with now where Jonathan India is your only real good feels like the only good like building block in your lineup i mean depends on how long joey vada wants to go i guess but you have india there you have vada there and it's really just a bunch of 
platoon role type players. Yeah, it's 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 really odd because I mean, obviously they they were losing Castellanos and and reportedly like they they barely I don't I think they didn't even make him an offer like yeah which and every every but everybody else they lost was people they moved away like it was all people they traded uh everyone else like they had them all under contract and they traded them away and it's it's very very strange because i think i mentioned this last week is like you know if if the cardinals hadn't gone on that crazy run at the end of the season the reds likely would have been you know either in the hunt for or had the second wild card in the last week or so and then the reds they had a they had a pretty bad september as well and the cardinals had a really really good september so like that's that's part of what happened but like you know they are they were at least a playoff caliber ish team. You know, yeah. I, it seemed like it wouldn't have been crazy for them to bring back Castellanos. Maybe I get, maybe they wouldn't want to spend what was it, like four years and a hundred million dollars, something like that. Um, or five and a hundred million. Um, so like, I get, maybe they didn't want to spend all that much money. Um, but you know, they could have picked up like an, like an Avi Garcia for four fifty three, right? Which, which you don't replace exactly Castellanos, but you, but you get yeah. similar production out of that. Um, and then, you know, the young people they've got coming up, you know, it really seems like they had a good combination to, to, to have a solid run this year and they just didn't want to. And I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. (laughs) They did pick up Tommy Pham this week. So that is like one thing they can check off. But like, is anyone thinking Tommy Pham? I I think a lot of people like Tommy Pham and you obviously got to watch him a lot in St. Louis, but he's a little older He's probably a trade deadline guy more than like a cornerstone of a playoff yeah. team, you know? So um, you know, he's, he's, he's a decent, like, you know, again, he's a guy who you can fill out a roster with or a guy who you pick up because nobody is picking him up and you know that you can, somebody else is going to want right. to fill out a roster in July. It's, it's a good acquisition. It's just not like a needle mover. And yeah. the fact that they let, they let go multiple needle movers is the problem, you know? So um, then we get to the bottom of the division. I think most people consider the pirates to be the worst, but it's starting. You, you start to see the framework of what the pirates have been building. Um, they have one of the top, what two or three farm systems, probably in baseball. And they had Cabrian Hayes make his debut a couple years ago and he was hurt last year, but I think most people like Cabrian Hayes. You have some interesting pieces kind of sp- mixed in with Brian Reynolds, who's kind of their main star. And then you have O'Neill Cruz, who is kind of, I think all eyes are on Cruz um, for many reasons, mostly his uh, six, seven frame playing shortstop and hitting like 120 mile an hour bombs. So what do y'all think? Is this experiment going to work in y'all's opinion? Is this, is this guy a superstar in the vein of, we haven't seen anyone quite like this before, or is this just going to be a weird player that we all like, but never reaches that ceiling? I think, I think he, he might not be a shortstop long-term. Um, but I think, you know, his, his, from the highlights we've seen in spring, like his power looks legit. Like he looks like he's a legit hitter and a legit hitter is going to hit in a lineup, no matter where he plays, you know, he's not, maybe he's not going to be a shortstop in a year. Maybe he's not gonna be a shortstop in, in, two months, right? Maybe, maybe Brian Hayes plays first base and, uh, and O'Neill Cruz plays third, who knows. Right. But like, he definitely, like he, he can hit the baseball like crazy. So I, I think I, there's, there's really no question for me that he is going to, you know, hit his way into a lineup, uh, whether or not it's the pirates lineup, who knows, maybe, maybe the pirates, uh, quickly move, move away from him for some reason, because they're the pirates. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like, you know, moving to left field, moving to third base, moving to first, 
first base, mm-hmm. or if he can play shortstop, play him at shortstop. Who cares? <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I think I think he's he's he is clearly got a legit bat. And uh, he's six foot seven. That's why uh, we're. We don't uh, yeah. <laughs> necessarily see him as a shortstop long term. But that's like a tall stop, am I right? We've been doing this thing with him because, uh, you know, we've, I think we've all collectively, people that follow prospects have seen him and known him as a prospect for a while. And there's like, if you read fan graphs, like they're right up with him two years ago. It's like, it's like, oh yeah, this is a right fielder. He's got a great arm. He's never going to stick in shortstop. People just want to keep putting in places. And then he literally cracks the major leagues and he's still a shortstop, which is just so like, we almost never see this, right? The the question is what he have cracked a major league roster at shortstop. If it wasn't the Pittsburgh pirates, it's, but it's, it doesn't sound like it's like a, Oh, this guy sucks at defense, but we don't have anyone else. It sounds like he can at least play it, Yeah, which if he can play that and be like, and hit the way we think he might be able to like, that's, that's scary. If I if I'm a if I, I'm I a defi- fan of the I, Cardinals or something, you know, that's a horrifying I, thought. I, I agree with that for sure. I I will say there are a lot of guys who come up as a shortstop at 23 and by 26 right. can't play shortstop anymore. You know, right. Michael Morse was a shortstop all through the minor leagues. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> yeah. So maybe he Michael, be the next Michael, Michael Morse Morse. did play major league shortstop for the for the Seattle Mariners when he came when he was a rookie. So God. like oh, I'm just no saying if we're, if we're talking about size comparisons of shortstops, <laughs> like that's probably the yeah. closest comp we've got. Um yeah, but if he sticks a shortstop, like great for them. Uh am I am I worried as a Cardinals fan? Like I think he's going to hit the baseball very hard. Uh will the Pirates be good while he's hitting the baseball very hard for the Pirates at shortstop? Well, it remains to be seen. TBD. Um, yeah. But uh, the, I think I think really my biggest question is Brian Reynolds because Brian Reynolds kind of feels like he came out of nowhere to be yeah. like a five war player last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't I don't think he's gonna be a five war player again. But you know, if he can be a perennial like four war guy, like that's I'm that's that's a good baseball player to have. Yeah, and, we take those. Yeah, and he's also the unfortunate part of him being a pirate is that when you're a five war player under under contract is that he turns into one of the best trade assets in baseball. Yeah. yeah. And I think he, he is. I know. think, I think this is his first year of Arab. So it'll probably be a yeah. another year or two. Yeah. Uh, but before. then you start hitting, uh, you know, unfortunately Deej, you understand this wall that guardians players have hit in the past when they get a year or two out. And it's like, well, let's start revving up the trade rumors. I wonder oh. how long, Brian Reynolds is kept content I think, or in-house. Yeah, I think the, the, the big thing is, right, that I think he, sp- he said in an interview that they didn't even talk to him about an extension. Yeah, which it's like, is all right, like, well, man, that's oof. You're not <laughs> like, paying anyone else. Just give him like a, you know, I don't I don't think you Brian can, you Reynolds can is commanding and trade $200 the extension away. Like that's what yeah. everyone's talking about with Jose Ramirez, right? Like Exactly. <laughs> So, um, sorry, Deej. <laughs> I see your face. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, we'll Ouch. get to Jose. So we'll sorry. get there in a minute. Yeah. Um, We'll, we'll only have positive things to say about Jose. Um, yeah. Let's wrap up this division. Uh, gut feeling. Who do you guys think wins this division? And who do you think makes the playoffs in this expanded format out of this division? Um, I, I think it's the Cardinals. I, they just feel more like a, like a division winner to me. And then the, the, the Brewers could leapfrog them, though, because they got a, I think they got that higher ceiling and the Cardinals of the lower floor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to see. Uh, the Cubs could maybe sneak, you know, in and win 82 games and maybe grab that uh, 
how many wild card slots are there again? Three, three I now. I think three yeah. Now? Three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Probably not quite enough. I, I yeah. I can't see the Cubs uh, snagging a wild card team. Yeah. But, uh, There's just so yeah. many teams. Like I know. Like a lot. Of, a lot of like teams right in the middle. Um, Nyan, do you also agree with Cardinals, Brewers, or do you think the Brewers are a little bit better? I, you know, I'm worried. About the, the Brewers rotation is on paper definitely clearly better. Yeah. Um, and that that would be my concern as a Cardinals fan is, is that good pitching can make up for not the best hitting, whereas good hitting has, has more, more trouble, you know, uh, picking up average to below average pitching. So, um, you know, obviously my heart wants to say the Cardinals. Um, I, I, I do kind of expect the Brewers because I, I do think they're going to make some smart pickups that they, they made some smart pickups last year. You know, like I do think they might make some, 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 some smart midseason pickups and, and, uh, and uh, you know, even if it's close, then they might leapfrog, yep. but it, it, it'll, I guess it'll just uh, depend on the games, right? <laughs> yeah. I guess so I would probably have the Brewers as a top just because of how amazing that rotation is. I think Freddie Peralta is like, to have him as your like third guy, even if he's only 150 innings, you know, he's probably not going to push anywhere close to 200, but that's fine. You know, if you get five innings of a guy every night, that's that good. And he's your third and you got Eric Lauer who was really good. And you know, these, these bullpen weapons, you mentioned like the seventh inning guy earlier, they do have Brad Boxberger back who really filled in well in that role. I don't know like how much we really think brad boxberger is like an ace reliever but he was at some point like seven years ago but like the brewers if nothing you know as much as their farm system has kind of lagged their like major league development has not and i think they can have enough there aaron ashby is a really interesting player maybe he's even another starter or reliever in that mix so i would still lean them but i think the cardinals are like firmly like unless someone you know, takes it from them. They are the one of the top wild card teams, and that mix with like the Braves, Phillies, Giants, you know, who or whoever you know leaves out of the NL West and sent the East. So, um, all right, well, let's get to the American League Central. Where, what do we say about this? Yeah, <laughs> this is. You, why don't you start with how you view this mess of a division, DJ? Yeah, so obviously the White Sox are the only good team in the division. I don't think anyone argues with that. Only and firmly good team, yeah. Yes, and they're really good. Their rotation is scary. Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, Dylan Cease, Michael Kopech, and Dallas Keuchel, I guess the fifth starter, and they're losing um, uh, Carlos Rodon uh, hurts, but uh, just Lynn, Giolito, Cease, that – that top three is about as good a, a playoff uh, top three as, as they got. And their bullpen is insane. Liam Hendricks, Craig Kimbrell, uh, Garrett Crochet, uh, uh, Joe Kelly. Um, Joe Kelly's other... like the eighth guy in there. Yeah. Which is, like, Joe Kelly is like scary, you know, it's kind of uh, scary. Kind of yeah. 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 Forgot yeah, about yeah. those guys. Yeah. So they've got you forgot like about five... the guy that's 99 mile an hour sinkers yeah. on the left side. Yeah. Um, so Insane. yeah. That, that bullpen's about as, you know, they, they, they got about as many known entities of, you know, relief aces as there is. Uh, and their, their, their batting order is great, too. They got, like, like five or six guys projected to have three war. And, and you know that those are kind of, like, regressed to the mean. So they got, like, you know, sky's the limit. They got, like, four or five uh, all-stars on this team. Yeah. Uh, like, Jose Abreu is, like, the fifth or sixth best player on the team right now. And he's really good. Uh, so yeah, they they can win 100 games. They probably will. 
Um, they're the they're the only one that has like a reasonable shot at the division, and they will yeah. win it. I think. Um, almost boring to talk about how much better they are than everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, but, yeah. they, they do benefit from the fact that they got to play these other teams last year, and everyone else sure. was kind of drenched in mediocrity. But the the reason why I call this such a peculiar division let's let's let me let me break down these teams. Let me start from the bottom and then say what each of them did. The mm-hmm. Twins won seventy three games last year and were the worst team in the division. They added literally Carlos Correa. So let's just <laughs> <Yeah>. start there. <laughs> The Royals and, were the second worst team in the division. Hey, they had they, Gary Sanchez. Yeah, and Gary Sanchez and uh, Gio Urshela, Yankees yeah. legends. Yeah. Royals were the second worst team in the division at 74 wins. They're adding maybe the most impactful rookie infielder of the year this yeah. year. Could Bobby be. Um, the Tigers won 77 games last year. They made they signed Javi Baez, they signed Eduardo Rodriguez, and they're adding one of the most impact outfielders at some point in Riley Green and infielders in Spencer Torkelson. Yeah. And then the Guardians changed their name. Yeah, that's about <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, so um, the Twins, I, I never know if the Twins are going to be good. They, they just like Yeah, it's, randomly... it's impossible. Yeah. It, like, I don't know, listen, go like... back to last, last year's episode and we're all singing the praise of the Twins and how they're going to win 90 yeah. games. And, like, and then suddenly they were the worst team in the division. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm gonna go ahead and predict the Twins are gonna have a rough season because their their pitching is not great. They they yeah. got uh Sonny Gray, I believe, and then Sonny does help that equation. Uh, he's but, good, but that's yeah. about it. Like uh, let me let me pull up the rotation here. Yeah, I know they got Bailey Ober, who's that like freak um, show tall guy. They got um, yeah. who's the guy? They got Joe Ryan from Dylan the Bundy. Solid. Yeah, Dylan but, Bundy. Dylan yeah. La- Bundy. Yeah, he's, not- he's a guy, you know. Yeah, he is a guy. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't look at Gray Bundy over as the playoff one, two, yeah. three. And, yeah, yeah, and then you know Taylor Rogers is good, and then their bullpen just nobody's projected to have a sub four ERA besides Taylor Rogers, who is quite good. Their bullpen last year was a big concern i think it was a big yeah. reason why they underperformed really hard because you had guys like alex colomay who are signed to be closers and then you know <laughs> he didn't close much <laughs> he yeah more opened the door for the other team so carlos curry is good obviously byron buxton obviously great obviously has he ever played a full season i don't think he has i think Maybe he has one yeah I, so. I don't i don't even know if he has one yeah, yeah, no, 2017, he played 140 games, 500 okay. but, appearances. Uh, yeah. 140 games, you know, that's still, like, right on the free. You know, he still it's right missed on the fringe, probably, like, on the fringe, but it's a full season. It. Yeah, we'll I'll it. give him credit. I'll give him credit on, like, a curve. Yeah, so <laughs> Kepler's um, good. Jorge Polanco is good. And, you know, like, the, the Sano's good or Shella. They got, like, some, like, a few average players. But, yeah, that 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 pitching staff, I just can't get past that. I uh, Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, they're going to just – like lose a lot of games eight to six i think um i'm i'm sure it's been discussed on this podcast previously but the korea thing is just it's one of the most like mind-blowing free agent signings i've ever experienced because like just based on the team itself like we're like oh the twins just sold off josh donaldson and got you know they got back interesting guess not they got like worse necessarily but it's like kind of lateral money saving and then they're the ones that get like the guy that a lot of people probably considered the best free agent. You know, I don't think yeah. it would have been unreasonable to think that. It's um, it, it's it's very weird that nobody else would offer him yeah. this contract, right? Like, yeah. I get it got not that after every year, but like, and I think 
I was on the intro last week saying this, so I don't want to like repeat myself too much, but I think probably it's that other teams who want a premier shortstop didn't want a premier shortstop who was probably going to leave after a year, right? They're like, we want someone who will be around for for the three or four or five years and not someone's going to, you know, clearly he's got two opt-outs because if for some reason he gets injured this year, then he can play again next year and then get the big contract. And if he doesn't get injured this year, then he opts out this year and gets the Boris contract. Like, I do think it's a slam dunk though for them because you get all of the benefit of having him, you know, he's a mercenary. He's a hired gun that can be the best player in your division. You know, if things go right. And, you know, does it matter how long you have him? If you can just get him, then just do it. You know, it just, if that's uh, you, on the table. It's like, but that that's why it's so confusing. I, the structure I agree, of it. It's, yeah. that's, that's, why it's, that's why it's weird that a, that a good team wouldn't do it. Like right. I get you want someone who's going to be around for a while, but like, if, especially if you're like, you know, you don't have a shortstop coming up soon, like the Cardinals, right? The Cardinals um, have Nolan Gorman coming up to play second base, but Carlos Correa is clearly an improvement over, uh, over Tommy Edmond playing shortstop. Like, okay. Oh no, we only have Carlos Correa for a year. Fine. Like it's a year of Carlos Correa. Like yeah. he's really good. Yeah. And this isn't the year Carlos Correa is going to make a difference on the twins. I, yeah. I, I, right. I'm, I can't really see him being a winning team this year and having like even a six or seven war guy just isn't going to yeah. get him into the playoffs. It, it is just enticing that one, there's this like one alternate reality that exists where Byron Buxton and, and Correa hit at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that is like, so enticing that I'm glad they they're at least trying it. It probably won't happen, but the chances of both of them having like MVP type seasons on like, like you know, an yeah. otherwise mediocre team is like that can get you there. Byron you know? Buxton will probably have an MVP caliber April and then yeah. not play baseball for the next four months. But hey, that's like an awesome <laughs> April. <laughs> It'll be great to watch for but a month. I'll be super stoked. Mm. I, I re- I'm morbidly curious to see how this season goes for them because i feel like it can go a thousand different ways and i wouldn't be shocked yeah so um yeah uh fan graphs has uh, uh what do they have the uh, uh the twins projected the twins have 81 81 uh that, that's uh i see them as more like a 75 77 win team i think yeah. I, just, uh, yeah. I think they're uh they just didn't do enough uh to help their pitching yeah. um so the Tigers, uh, I, I would say I see them as a similar one-loss team, but they're kind of more clearly on the way up. I think they're yeah. – uh, uh, they picked up A.J. Hinch uh, to manage, which is really sending a message. They're, um, you know, they signed uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, they, they, they made some big moves, and I, yeah. I like this isn't their year, but I, I kind of – see like the framework for them being kind of scary in two years. They're, they're yeah. a team that, that I, I don't think, yeah, I agree that I don't think this is this, that this is their year, but I could see them like everything clicking early and then just, yeah. you know, making a surprise playoff push. Like, like yeah. we've seen teams do in the past. Like that is, that is my, like they are, they are my like surprise, surprise of the year team. If, yeah. if that, you know, who knows the dark. Yeah, I mean, we see it all the time. I remember, you know, like as a Braves fan, like we were getting Acuna and these guys in and then snap they're in the playoffs, you know, yeah. it's like, Whoa, like mm-hmm. that was like immediate, you know, with Ozzy and all these guys in tow and really young. And I think that's a one year ahead of schedule situation. Right. But just getting to that point can be such a crucial turning point, right? Because it shows, 
okay, we put in like a modest effort to build this roster. We still have young guys developing. We're already at the tip of where we need to be, especially with an extra wild card spot. Right. So I, I find their plan really interesting. They just need this rotation is, is just, again, so wildly interesting to me with Scooble, Mize, and then you have a couple of veterans in the mix there, but they need at least one or two of these guys out of Manning, Wentz, et cetera, as well to really click now for them to have that kind of run. I like Scooble the most out of them, but you know, all of them have their own kind of particular flaws. And it reminds me a lot about the Braves guys that came up, right? The Braves had like 10, like top 100 starting pitching prospects within the span of like two or three years. Right. And you see now like two or three of them, depending on how you count Mike Soroka have gotten to the end, you know, or are like quality contributors. So how many of these guys that they have in this mix can establish themselves now for a possible run at the playoffs? I'm just, I, it's like throwing darts. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, the, yeah. So the tigers, uh, you know, they're not going to be terrible. They got some, you know, they got some really good players, but yeah, hard, hard to see them, you know, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put playoffs. money on it, but like, yeah, I might put I think, money on it for fun. Uh, <laughs> they could be, and I think Baez is one of those guys where people have given Baez crap, and he's probably deserved it to an extent, right? He's a flawed player, but when Baez with his Mets, you know, it was just the result of a really hot few weeks, but that's all he really needed with a trade deadline pickup, right? But you know, he is capable of being a like central piece to like a really important you know, team and the way he plays defense is just like, even if he's maybe not the best defender in baseball, it works on that like cerebral level that so right. few work on, you know, it's that Yadier Molina, like he thinks on a different level of everyone else. So I think it's a really nice pickup, especially well, if like he Spencer can Torgerson maintain. Is, is probably the, the front runner for rookie of the year, right? Yeah, like, it seems like you're just penciling him into being uh, Miguel Cabrera's, you know, protege, basically right. it's like the same player, you know? Yeah. So you got so many interesting things going on there. It's just, yeah. Can they push past the other teams here? And let's, let's, let's touch on the guardians for a second. Deej, I know uh, you're close to them. Uh, How do you, <laughs> I don't know what to do with Cleveland and they have Two of the best players in baseball. Yep. They got Shane Bieber, the Cy Young, and they got Jose Ramirez, who's finished top three in the MVP three or four times. Uh, and then what? Um, so <laughs> I will say this. The Guardians rotation uh, is quite – it has a really good upside. Yep. So Cal Quantrill really stepped up last year. I don't know uh, how well-known this was, but like yep. that yeah, – yeah. Every single starting pitcher went down last year. We were down to like – like our ace was like some guy that nobody had heard of or was expecting to play. Eli Morgan's of the world. Yeah, I'd never heard of that guy uh, until he was announced as like starting the next day. Um, and uh, Quantrill just just went out there and just looked looked like an ace. Uh, he came out of nowhere. Uh, we got him in one of the trades with San Diego. I think yeah. maybe the uh, the Bauer trade or maybe one of the. I think it's Clevenger. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's good. Uh, uh, so Bieber and Quantrill and Aaron Savali is a guy I really like. He just is kind of this, like when you think like polished college pitcher, it's yeah. that's Aaron Savali. He's kind of like, I don't want to compare him to Mike Mussina. Cause like, obviously yeah. he's a hall of famer, but like he kind of just has that, like 
that like way about him where like you know he's just kind of businesslike and yeah as this uh, uh and i think he's got a lot of upside um so bieber quantrill and uh savali i really like that top three tristan mckenzie like had some amazing starts last year i can see him being a superstar he's like like a really likable guy um and uh he's got some really tantalizing uh Tool, so I, I would I would love to see what he can do in a full season. Yeah. And Zach Plesac, uh, uh he's kind of I would say mer- mercurial is a good adjective for him. Um, <laughs> nice of you. Uh, but uh, he's good. He's um he's a phenomenal uh, defensive pitcher too. Like he's, well, he had, he had a he had a really really nice twenty twenty right. Like it was the shortened yeah. season right. But it was one of those seasons mm-hmm. like okay, and he's only twenty seven right. So like he's yeah yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I think all these guys are the same age. I think they're all like 26, 27 this year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I could see all five of those guys having three plus win war seasons. Um, and uh, last year, the Indians, when as they were known as, they drafted like 17 college starting pitchers uh, <laughs> in a row or something insane like that. Mm-hmm. So those guys are all 22. And, you know, out of those 17, I'm sure like, three or four of them will be able to contribute this yeah. year. Uh, just the best couple of them. So I, I feel really good about our pitching staff. And, and these are all like, you know, league minimum types, uh, yeah. you know, or hey, like Anthony early Dust on the guardians. Now that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess he can throw a hundred. Um, There's gas. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. Um, yeah. He's uh, people are buzzing about him. Uh, the closer Emmanuel class a is lights out. Uh, uh, picked up Brian Shaw. I don't know, just kind of veteran guy. Maybe he'll be good. Maybe he won't. Who knows? Uh, it's uh, Nick's, okay. Sorry, I was just saying, like it's just peak Cleveland that they spent under a million dollars for like the first, you know, wave of free agency, and then they give Brian Shaw like a couple million dollars to come through. It's just like that's our guy, you know. Yeah. Like, that's our big free agent pickup. Brian yeah. Shaw. He was on our team like eight years ago or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Like, yep. Tito, uh, even going back to like the Red Sox, he's, he's had, he's had guys like that. Like, like just Tito has his guys. Yeah. Like there's like two or three relief pitchers that like, I think like Tanyan Sturts was his guy. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. So just, you know, he believes in Brian Shaw. Shaw loves playing for him. He can get all the Brian Shaw there is to get out of Brian Shaw. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, you know, there's a couple interesting pieces in the bullpen. Nobody that is interesting at, outside of Cleveland. But uh, I feel pretty good about the rotation. Uh, the batting order is like – That's that's know, when the problems start popping that's, up. That's yeah. the rub. Uh, Jose is about as good a player as there is. Uh, Fran Mil Reyes is a very talented uh, DH. He'll probably hit 40 home runs and uh, mostly playing DH. Miles Straw, I'm excited to see full season of him. He's a very good center fielder. Good contact hitter. His war doesn't really like his bat much because he doesn't walk a lot or hit for a lot of power. But um, uh, I think he could kind of be a good presence to lead off, and he's a really good outfielder. And then Ahmed Rosario is a good hitter, but he kind of reminds me of Starlin Castro. He's kind of like a guy that like will get 200 hits and have like a decent batting average, but he doesn't really walk, and he's not much of an entity defensively. So like, you know, he, he might get to war but he might not um yeah then after that it's just kind of like like see which like triple a guys can stick so i don't know we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have to win a lot of games two to one i think i i do there's one part of their team that i find interesting as far as the batting order and it's Mm -hmm. 
uh, Ina Saris posted a story today about his like bold predictions. His bold mm. prediction today was that the rookie of the year will be from Cleveland. Mm. And part of his mindset here was using Dan Saborski's zips projections where a lot of Cleveland prospects have popped up there. And so um, the most notable one that is like the, the nerd like favorite is Steven Kwan, who yeah. is this, He's this small outfielder who was not super heralded, but had just tore up the minors last year to like an extreme people are like, okay, we can't help, but think this is something he seems to be kind of like, you know, Tony Kemp size in the outfield, but you know, he had like nearly a 600 slugging percentage, you know? So it's like, can can Quan? Can someone else? Do you do you think there's someone in there that might be able to make a splash this year, or is this just going to be a slow kind of process? Um, yeah, as far as like winning the rookie of the year per se, Quan is the only one that jumps out as still having rookie eligibility that might play every day and could be good enough to do it. Um, but yeah, I think uh, the, the other guys all played last year and probably you know got like 200 at bats. Uh, and nobody really sticks out as exciting. I think we're going to have a lot of platoons. Um, my guess is uh, the Guardians plan, and, and they made zero moves in the offseason yeah. besides like Brian Shaw. Which is and, so like, annoying. but yeah. yeah, super frustrating because I think, uh, assuming the rotation stays healthy, I think as is, this is maybe, uh, they're projected for 75 or 77 wins. I, I, I could see them, you know, at low 80s, like just over 500 as is. So maybe their plan is to hope that they're, you know, head into the, you know, the trade deadline a little over 500 and then then make some moves, maybe pick up some like Tommy Pham types, guys like that, or right. like, uh, and just kind of, you know, I think, give I them... think in our, in our uh, Slack chat that Dylan and I are in, uh, when Tommy Pham got picked up by the Reds, it was like, seems like Cincinnati to Cleveland pipeline. Like, yeah, yeah. For pencil that one in. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe send them like hopefully not Quan, but yeah, just trade. Who's like an eighteen-year-old Dominican kid that y'all signed last year that you can send over to Cincinnati? Although I don't think I think yeah. Michael Conforto would be a good pickup. Yeah, like, I do think so too. But they'd have to burn that draft pick, right? Didn't he? Didn't he have a QO attached still? Does he? Didn't they, didn't they get rid I think of? Think he did. For he does. Why would Michael or... Conforto have rejected a well, qualifying offer? He was That's... he was really good. Like I think Michael Conforto. Sorry, this is like I don't. I doubt he's ending up in the AL Central. But like I feel like <laughs> he has a reputation for being really good. He has been really good, especially in 2020 as one of the best hitters in baseball. And in 2021, just wasn't great. But it was like yeah, but yeah, it's take, probably take the, the kind of guy one year, you just 19 take the million one year for and, like <laughs> yeah, because now he gets he's in. QO purgatory. Yeah, I, I think mm-hmm. they got rid of the. They might not have the QO anymore, but I think the guys that were offered it are still. Yeah, I think I think it holds for this it. off season. Okay, it gets yeah. a little murky because of that. But yeah, um, let's touch on one last team in this division. It's the Kansas City Royals. We talked about Bobby yeah. Witt, who's just seems like awesome. Um, they have be exciting. Salvi yeah. Perez is one of the best offensive catchers. Uh, yeah. Good he's catcher, fine uh, defensive guy. He's yeah. fine defensively. He's yeah. great offensively. Uh, Whit Merrifield, uh, excellent all-around player. They they got some good. Uh, Adalberto Mondesi. Um, they got like four or five very good uh, hitters, but just yeah, their rotation and their bullpen. They they, they picked up Zach Granke. Uh, does he start opening day? You think is he kind of there? I think so. Um, yeah, I can't think of who else it would. 
Speed. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like, Brad Keller, um, Brady Keller, Singer, Carlos Hernandez, yeah. and Chris Bubik. Like, uh. yeah. <laughs> Keller had started on opening day before, I think. I think he did a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I think fan service, Cranky, would be the move. But, yeah, the Royals, it's hard to see them as anything but last place. Uh, they might leapfrog the, you know, the, I don't know. It was like, it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of 70-something win teams in this division. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think there's going to be a, a lot of middling teams near the bottom. I, I could I could see the Royals because – because like you know, Bobby Witt is interesting. Nicky Lopez, uh, mm. Nick Prado coming up possibly. MJ Belendez coming up possibly. Like they've got a lot of interesting guys who who could you know even in a bad season be like, all right, well you got like you know you've got an interesting season at least. So mm-hmm. I maybe they'll finish at the bottom of the division. Uh, it's it's tough because it was such a bad division last year, and I think obviously besides the White Sox. And I think every team, including the White Sox has improved not enough to be a playoff team, but enough to not be embarrassing, Um, which none of them really were that embarrassing last year either. Like, even though it was not a great division, uh, I think the AL central was the only division without a hundred loss team. Mm. Um, uh, Oh, the NL West as well. Um, oh, and the, the, sorry, the nationals finished with 97 losses. So, um, let's go excuse east. Me. Excuse oh. me. <laughs> uh. Um, but like, yeah, they, they, you know, they, the, even the twins with the worst record in the division only lost 89 games. So I think it'll be another year of just like a lot of teams being pretty middling. Um, and, and, you know, each, each team will have their own reason that they're interesting to watch the twins because Carlos Correa is there for some reason. Uh, the Tigers and the Royals, because they seem to be on the come up. The guardians also seem to be on the come up and have, like you said, a really interesting rotation. Um, will, I will make the good. case. I will make the case for the Royals being the sneaky team in this division. I don't think they're a playoff team. Like, you know, I think we're still, I don't think any team in here is like a true playoff team outside of the white Sox. But I think the Royals have built this really interesting structure where they're competent in a lot of places. They have some holes, but they're going to have some guys come up. And I think they're going to have the structure in place that is going to let Bobby Witt and Nick Prado and these guys become instant contributors and not just like interesting prospects and stuff. And I think the most interesting thing I can point out with the Royals, I talked to Vinny Pascantino a couple of weeks ago for an interview for us here. Um, one of their guys that popped up last year as a really talented hitter in double a, they had one of the most successful minor league systems from a winning percentage standpoint. So if you look at how well their teams did it, like the rays are the Kings of this because the rays are stacked at like every level of the minors. And that translates to wins for them, even though we don't normally think of minor league wins being like an important thing. Right. But if you have this foundation of, we have a bunch of teams that are learning how to win already and that have a lot of talent and that's starting to crack into the majors. Now, I think that kind of thing can produce more instant success rather than, you know, what some other teams have tried to do, which is bottom out and then have these guys learn how to be winners. Right. I think it makes a more natural transition into figuring out the identity of the team and, you know, being able to pull off something interesting. So I think, I think they've just done this the right way as far as the culture there and all these things. It's kind of like the intangible side of it that I like, I guess. Um, 
And I think, I think Bobby Witt will hit immediately. I think he's just going to be good from the get go. It might not be the peak of what he does, but I think he's going to be quality this year. And I, it really, I, I don't know what the elite upside is, but a couple of these guys click like Daniel Lynch, Bobby Witt, et cetera. You know, a couple of these guys in rotation maybe. And I think they're as good as any of these other teams minus the White Sox. So I do like, as the thing, right. I do feel like all four of these teams could be as good as each other. And then there's the White Sox who will be good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so are we all basically in agreement? White Sox are going to win the division. And do you, would you guys put any of these teams as your third wildcard team? Or would you look elsewhere? Again, I think the Tigers could surprise yeah. Like I think they, I think if, if everything clicks the right way for the Tigers, they could like get lucky and make it there. Um, uh, but no, <laughs> I don't. I, I I wouldn't. Again, I wouldn't expect any of it to happen. But you know, the Tigers are a long shot. You could make some decent money betting on them if you yeah. want to. <laughs> good good division for that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm. Uh, I'm biased, obviously, as a Guardians fan, but like. Uh, I, I I think they'll I think they'll have a winning record, and if they make some moves, they could sneak into like a, like a wild card slot. I think I think they've got that upside. Uh, it shouldn't be a, a shock. I think I think the window's opening with like our good young rotation, but they just gotta pay some guys and pick up some 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 pieces to fill up some holes. And I, like, I like I said, I think every team in this division is going to be interesting to watch this year for some reason or another. And that you can't mm-hmm. necessarily say that about every division. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I, you know, it's especially those three teams, guardians, tigers, Royals, who have lots of players on the come up who are, you know, stars of tomorrow. Um, I think, I think that'll be interesting to watch. Yep. And I think I wrapped up last week with the East. Do you guys have any last lingering, you know, hot takes, any, any, any topics you want to put your, you know, put your fist down on related to either of these divisions or any of these teams or players. I'll start. I think Byron Buxton is going to be the MVP. MVP. Wow. MVP. The yeah. MVP. Hey, he's got the, the talent. It's just, I it's think he's going to be been... the player of the month. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's gonna get a really nice Olympia the show card. He's gonna get a great Olympia the show card. I just like yeah. it's just like I think he's got the he's obviously got the capability to be the MVP, but he he just cannot stay on the field. I guess, I guess a better way to phrase this because like betting against him and Trout, like you know, it's like it's just it seems foolhardy. But like I think Buxton is a very nice guy. If you wanted to throw money on him. Like he would be like one of the first guys to look at. Honestly, the other guy I look at is Luis Robert. Like Luis Robert is like not that dissimilar from Byron Buxton in like every way. Mm-hmm. And I think those skill sets are, you know, they're the types of guys that are going to have years where, you know, they get hurt or they swing in through too many pitches or whatever. And then they're going to have some years where, Luis Roberts going to hit 320 at some point and it's going to look crazy. You know, mm-hmm. and we saw that at the end of this past season after he was hurt. So, uh, both of those guys I'm incredibly bullish on entering the yeah. season. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I wish I had a super hot take to give, but uh yeah. It's a lot of <laughs> lukewarm teams, so it's okay. Yeah. I'm just trying to spice it up. I know. 
you know what? I'm just happy we're getting 162 games. Like at this <laughs> point, like, two weeks here. ago, yeah, <laughs> right? Two weeks ago, who who even knew like what was going to happen? So I'm just yeah, happy that we're just having baseball. Three weeks ago, we didn't know we were going to get baseball, let alone yeah. let alone yeah. 162 games. Yeah, you know, really. every time they they come up with a new fake deadline for having a full season. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, just just glad it happened. I think everybody everybody needed it. I'm glad it was able to 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 shake out this way. Um, all right, let, let me let me try to come up with some a hot take for the Guardians. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah, know. give us your best Guardians. All right, I think weird uh, thing. Big uh, Aaron Savali is gonna if he can stay healthy, he's quite good. I could see him kind of kind of getting some uh, like being, Cy Young vote guy. Yeah, like like eighth on the Cy Young ballot, a couple third place votes, mm-hmm. and uh, Tristan McKenzie. He's young. I think he's uh, twenty four this year, but he's a lot of fun to watch. Super talented. If he can uh, keep his control, like watch out. He's yeah. like big strikeout guy. My my hot take is that Lars Newt Bar is going to release an energy bar this year. Yes, <laughs> on the Newt Bar. The Newt Bar. Newt Bar. <laughs> that's, that's the hottest like, take uh, I can give. I think. Yeah, it's like when your name is already awesome and you don't even have to like. You don't have to do anything. You just call it the Newt Bar. Yeah, you're good to go. You said Avail- available now at Schnooks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing that's Schnucks, a Midwest. For those, for those joke. who don't know, yeah. Snooks is the local grocery store in St. Louis. It's fine. <laughs> mm. my, when Mac, yeah, when Matt Carpenter had his had his salsa, that was also available oh, right. exclusively at Snooks. Mm. <laughs> Goodness gracious! For for my St. Louis peeps out there, for all three of you listening, that's yeah. <laughs> perfect. Hopefully, that audience is satisfied with the, the large new bar <laughs> and Matt's Matt Carpenter. Mm. This podcast has to lead like the matt carpenter salsa references like by a good amount i feel like just by you being here it's so it's actually it's really funny because um i uh you know when the salsa thing was happening they had a t-shirt like somebody started selling a t-shirt and then the cardinals were like oh well let's let's you know have this be one of the one of the t-shirt giveaways and i bought tickets for a friend for him to get me one of those salsa t-shirts and i wear it to sleep all the time in pakistan i was wearing my salsa t-shirt to sleep all the time and everyone was asking me like what what's it's got to be the salsa and i had to explain the matt carpenter salsa oh god (laughs) to like to like my mom and my aunt (laughs) and it's like you're gonna have to keep explaining that one it's never gonna go away as long as you wear that shirt an explanation is gonna have a comfy shirt (laughs) let's say it's a good shirt yeah all right i think we think we hit about an hour here i think that does it for the centrals we will have the west uh next week to wrap up uh thank you deej and thank you naeem for uh joining today Absolutely. thanks for having us yep and, and now we're uh, gonna go to the outro and that's gonna be me as well so, yeah, so yeah. if you really like naeem's voice i got good news for you yeah, he's gonna wrap up us up here. <laughs> if you like matt carpenter salsa you got your guy Ooh. um and we will sign out here and catch you guys next week That's going to do it for this episode of our baseball weekly. Uh, but before we go, uh, literally as I was editing this episode, uh, it was announced uh, that the Cardinals have signed Albert Pujols to a one year, two and a half million dollar contract. Uh, theoretically, this is his final baseball contract to, to finish his career in St. Louis with Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright. Uh, I've mentioned, I, I think a f- 
before the lockout, I talked about how cool it would be if this happened. I'm very excited it's happening. Uh, and uh, yeah, hopefully I'll be on next week's episode to discuss it a little bit more uh, when we actually sit down and talk about it. But I, I just wanted to drop it in here because I, I just felt like I would be remiss if I didn't mention it uh, being the, the Cardinals guy on the show and haven't been on the whole episode. Uh, speaking of the whole episode, our Baseball Weekly is executive produced by Lewis and our production administrator is Christine. My name is Naim. I hosted this week's episode along with Shane and Phil, who joined me for the intro. I also edited this week's episode, and I was in the whole episode because I was in the Division Dandy segment hosted by Dylan uh, alongside the Degis. Our theme music was composed by Chuck Lease, and our Baseball Weekly releases every Monday at around 1 a.m. Eastern time, maybe a little bit late, uh, depending on how long the Oscars go. Um, so uh, you can catch it in your feed before the rooster crows, which is what Lewis says, not before the crow calls. That's not a thing people say. Uh, before the rooster crows is a very common turn of phrase. All right, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye.